Welcome to Future Perspectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. I'm your host, Gabby Sanderson, and I'm here to talk with international film stars, upcoming talent, and industry game changers. Over the Future Perspectives series, you will discover secret stories and inspiring perspectives on the future of cinema culture and society. So let's begin. This is Future Spectives. The one and only Laurie Anderson, welcome to Future Spectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast. I'm thrilled to get the opportunity to talk to you today. And I want to start right at the beginning when you said stories were a huge part of your childhood. Do you remember the first one you were ever told? The first story was probably a sad one. Ah. Because it involved um, my Uncle Alan, who came back from World War II. He was a mess. He had shell shock Mm. and... At the time, the army said, okay, these guys should go back to their families. You know, they didn't get any treatment. So they they said, yeah, they should go back. So he came back and he lived in our attic and he screamed for three years every night. And the story was something had happened to Uncle Al in France. And so... It was kind of a whispered story, like a bad thing had happened to him in France. So I always thought, maybe I should never go to France because <sighs> bad things can happen to you in France, you know. Right. So anyway, he lost his mind in France in the, you know, oh. in the war. And what happened was um, he got better over three years. He started screaming less, and then he, one day he came down from the attic, and he was okay. He should never have been a soldier. Mm. He was too fragile. He, mm. You know, some guys just shouldn't be in the army. Right. And he should never have to pick up a gun. He, he was not that kind of guy. So anyway, what happened was he, he got married and he had kids and he was never super okay. But I learned, you know, you can uh, make it through something really bad. And it can be like a whispered thing, like something bad happened. We never knew exactly what that was, but we could imagine. So we imagined. So I think half of stories is is what it makes you imagine, you Mm -hmm. as the listener. Mm -hmm. And it makes you associate that story with maybe something that someone Mm. you knew or something that resonates with you. Mm. Or, you know, because I'm not the kind of artist who likes to invent new plaids, you know, or new, wow, I've never heard anything like that supernatural thing you just created. Mm. I like to do things in which people say, I I know what you're talking about. I just see it from a slightly different angle, but I I know what you're saying. Isn't it interesting how stories can shift our map of reality as well? Like you said, oh, I'm never going to France. Something bad must be in France. (laughs) I did go to France and (laughs) it wasn't that bad, I have to say. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Your career began as a painter and a sculptor, and then you started making instruments from sculptings and started 
playing them. Kind How of, does... yeah. I mean, I saw things as sound-making possibilities or ways to amplify sound. So, And this always would just come by uh, about because some mistake. So, for example, I was typing at an electric typewriter mm-hmm. with a motor. I don't know. You're podcast listeners don't know what this was but it was a machine that you plugged in and it had a big in the top row of the letters that had the word typewriter and I was typing and I was reading what I'd just written and it was so stupid oh so pretentious it was so unconnected I put my head in my hands and I put my elbows on the table, and I put my head in my hands. And I was like, oh, this is so stupid. And then I heard, <laughs> what is that? Sound coming up through the table, through my elbows, into my head. Through bone conduction, I heard the motor of the, of the typewriter. So I thought, right on, I'm going to make a talking <laughs> table. So I made a table at the Museum of Modern Art. That opened up like a piano and inside uh, all these sounds mm-hmm. and words and low frequency things put compressed into two steel um, bars which drive the sound up and compress it and make contact with the table and when you put your elbows on the table and your hands over your ears it's like putting on really good headphones <laughs> and you hear something over on your right over on your left and you hear, you know you're like what um so i used some words from a 17th century british metaphysical love poet george herbert and he wrote a poem about music and it was about the body so it was it was a uh, uh, the first line of that was, now I and you without a body move. It was about how music moves through your body. Mm. And so you hear it from right to left. You hear it, now I and you without a body. And then move mm-hmm. goes from left to right to your head. And you go, I knew my head was an empty barn with wind whistling through it, but never quite so physically did I know that, did I feel that. So I wanted to make the body into really into a thing like other things you know uh, so that you just realize that you're a listener inside uh, something that can be resonant something that can hear something that has a lot of senses and is is trying to process them and is trying to go what does that have to do with that how do i make meaning out of that Mm -hmm. um speaking of which i saw a beautiful film here that broke all the rules of filmmaking I thought films had to have stories. I thought they had to have people. I thought they had to have meaning. Apparently not. <laughs> anyway, it's a film about Lisbon, and it was sort of a remake of a something from the 60s. I didn't have any idea what it was about. But it was a film that, full of emptiness. It was just like suddenly here, for no reason, in a park in Lisbon at night, and it's thundering, and it's beautiful wind is going through the park and you're like why am i here why am i in this park what's the story and it doesn't matter because 
you know, you're, you're trying, you've even forgotten to connect the dots. I mean, we are these, these meaning machines that need to find what's the meaning of this. But in fact, it was just so open and simple and visual that you didn't, it was just like, why would you question where you are in a dream? You're in an old swimming pool. You're in your old class when you're, you know, Mm-hmm. a student mm-hmm. when you're six you're suddenly there or you're suddenly out in the middle of nowhere uh, mm-hmm. you know and, and so it, it becomes very primitive very much about like I'm just using my eyes to explore this you, you're not making any conclusions so, so I thought oh right. this is so interesting I didn't know film could do that mm-hmm. and it could do that and so to be open to that is so much fun, mm. you know, and I, I just I go through the city here and I think and I see all those leopard spots everywhere, and it's kind of so sweet. It's so nice yeah. to have so much energy focused on image making, you know. It's, right. It's really cool. I learned that William S. Burroughs is your favorite poet. I wouldn't say favorite, but favorite. Uh, one of my favorites. One of your favorites. One of my top faves. Okay. So he was a beat generation writer. Can you separate the man from the craft? Because in his personal life, he was, should we say, quite questionable. I mean, Um, Bill Burroughs, William S. Burroughs, he appeared in 50s America when everyone was very busily making sure their lawn looked really good and they looked really good and everything was just fine. He came into Just Fine America, and he was like, I'm going to tell you some stories. And, uh, you know, this guy is from another planet. And this is a planet I wanted to be from, because <laughs> I was bored with the, all the nice people there, frankly. And he was a writer, and but really he was a performer. He was a real ham. I f- first had something to really met him at something called the Nova Convention. This was 1977 in New, downtown New York. It was like a 3D celebration of his work. And so people came like Susan Sontag, um, Patti Smith, uh, Phil Glass. Keith uh, Richards was supposed to be coming, but the promoters knew he wasn't going to come. So they put a tiny little note on the door. Keith will not be appearing tonight. And I was the MC, so... I had to keep the ball rolling, and all these kids had come to see Keith Richards, Rolling Stones. And and I was like, okay, now Patti Smith will play the clarinet. And they're like, Keith, Keith. You know, and now wow. Phil Glass will play his most recent composition. Keith. Finally, you know, I, I didn't have the heart to tell them that Keith was never going to show. He's never coming. Um, <laughs> but Bill Burroughs did come out in his shiny sharkskin suit with his pork pie hat and his giant briefcase and he just slammed it on the desk and goes good evening <laughs> these kids are like who the, who the hell is that what, 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 that's a, that's a good and then they kind of went grandpa <laughs> you're you're the man man you know and so um he was the godfather of punk and soul and a lot of things you know because he had to think he just was hilarious also he was really hilarious really funny wonderful wonderful way of showing in words like yeah it was up on a skimpy balcony you're like what skimpy balcony what are you talking about it's like <laughs> and i toured with him for a while with some 
Poetry Slam music club dates. Mm. And we went around doing these things. And that he t- opened sorry. me up to another world, you know, right. that was a rule-breaking world. And I was mm-hmm. interested in that world. Mm. I wanted to be in that world where you could not ha- be, have to have all, all these rules about what was good, what was nice, what was what was right, what was blah, 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 blah. So um, he was one of my teachers. He's one of your teachers. Incredible. You, you just casually name dropped, you know, Patty Smith, Keith Richards. I was speaking to Todd Haynes earlier today, who you, you know, chose to make the Velvet Underground documentary. And we were talking about that period in time when music combined with poetry and art and cinema it must have just been absolutely an incredible time to be an artist, a creator. Yeah, it was it was a cool city to do that to, in too because it was very supportive, yeah. and uh, and it was not really uh, I, people were were really helping each other, yeah, which was unique, mm-hmm. the communal spirit of of the '60s mm-hmm. had moved into that uh, those later eras, and it still was a little bit of a shadow of that, which was really wonderful mm. too. And there's my face behind you. There's a giant screen behind us for our listeners <laughs> with Laurie's face. And I happen to be on that screen pontificating, and I'm yeah. thinking, I should just take a break. You know, I, I should really just <laughs> stop talking for a while and Please listen don't. to people. What is the name of this podcast again? Future Spectives. Future Spectives. Now there's a, a brand new word. Yeah. Designed just for this. Um. And that is um, looking towards the future, I guess. I meditate, so I want to talk to you about meditation as an artist. And we learnt that you have a Swiss meditation teacher. Yes. What do you do to go inwards to create outwards? I'm not sure that it works like that particularly... um, Because sometimes I stay out to create. Mm. I don't have to... I don't go in. The, also, the in and out, I'm trying not to make that border so clear, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I am not somebody who has a goal of self-expression, mm-hmm. so I, um, I I don't care if you know me or not, you know. It's like, that's not my goal. My goal, really, my goal is to say, well, uh, look over there, how does that work, you know, what what is that thing over there, and then we kind of look at it it's not you're very curious aren't you well you know i um uh i guess uh, it's just um what i do to um that's it's my method so so this this thing of present past now inside outside are are things i'm really trying to push against Mm, Um, interesting and the next thing that I do, the next big project, is really exactly about this, and that's probably why I'm sort of fumbling around for words because I, it's um, it's something that's on my mind all the time, and how to describe time really, mm. because I think you know, it's such a mystery. I mean, when you think of like the major religions in the world, are not so much about um, power or goodness or you know who's in charge. It's about time, you know, there are ways to explain where we come from and where what will happen at the supposed end. You know, what is time? How, how do we, how are we in it? So I'm glad that your program is called Future 
perspectives. I'm tempted to add another syllable in there. Future inspective, you know what I mean? Future inspectives. Future, <laughs> no, that's even worse. Let's see. Future perspectives. creating a new word is, is awesome. So, you know, congratulations, even though I'm stumbling <laughs> over it. You know, it's, it's really great to do well, that. It's a contribution to the, to the language. So this project that's coming up that is kind of touching on what we're touching on with the premise of the podcast, which you can't talk talk much about right now, but when can we expect to be able to enjoy it? That is will be in Manchester in in the UK. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm from. Manchester? Yes, ma'am. Well, Give me ten. Well, high five him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, they are building a magnificent place called a factory there and I'm going to be the first thing in it <gasps> sign me up okay, I'm there okay, I'm there Laurie. Okay. we'll be seeing well, each other again yeah, this is will. great we will <laughs> oh my gosh so fantastic <laughs> it's I... going to be in like, like uh, a year from February a year from February yeah. I'm clear in the month okay yeah. 2024 2024 okay yeah, like it's getting abstract right 2024 yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, in that's Manchester awesome. Wow. It's a factory. Mm-hmm. Can I just squeeze in this question about when you were really young and run for student council and you wrote to Jack Kennedy for yes. some advice? He wrote you back a letter with tips. The advice worked and you won. And he congratulated you with 12 red roses and alongside wrote Poetry and Art of the Engine. Is this right? That was a poem that he wrote. That uh, was a poem he but wrote. But not to me, you know. And, ah, okay. And that, that became part of his, really, part of his campaign. He yeah. was he was uh, campaigning on culture, weirdly. His wife, Jackie, was uh, really loved poetry, and she loved history, and uh, she was very elegant and spoke several languages. And so Jack was, um, you know, he was a straight-up politician, but he appreciated uh this idea that there were poets. He he wrote a book, uh, kind of bad poetry, actually, but <laughs> Profiles and Courage, you know, it was a little bit smarmy. It was like, like you know. Um, Can you remember the advice he gave you? Yes, yes. He, he um, you know, I mean, 12-year-olds, you, you think you're the center of the world, you yeah. know, so, and everybody's interested in you. So yeah. I wrote to him when he was a senator and he was running for president and I said you know I, dear Senator Kennedy I, I really admire your campaign and that you're doing in Wisconsin and um, so this is right next to my state and, and and I wondered if I'm running for student council and I wonder if you have some tips okay so as you said he wrote me a, a letter yeah and the main tip was um, find out what the students want and promise it Ah. Okay, so I thought, <laughs> now there's a representative, not somebody who's going to push his ideology on you. But no, find out what they want and be a good representative. Mm-hmm. Get it for them. So I was like, right on. Um, Great I'll. advice. <laughs> so <laughs> I tried to find out what they wanted, and I promised that I would get it for them. And uh, so I won, uh, and... Uh, and he sent you flowers. He sent me flowers and a telegram. And um, and it was in the on the front page of our local newspaper. You know, a local girl receives flowers from Jack Kennedy, and really every woman in town fell in love with Jack. Mm-hmm. You know, super romantic guy was sending a twelve-year-old kid 
flowers. You know that that that's that's uh, that's lovely. It's People thought, yeah. thought it was lovely. I reckon he knew what he was doing. We were having to wrap this up, Laurie. Um, okay. Yeah, you've got a, a busy schedule. Wrapping it up with Jack. You do too. You're going to meet with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I will see you in Manchester. Absolutely see you in Manchester, <laughs> okay. Laurie. Thank you Thanks. so much. Thanks for doing You this. are truly an inspiration. <laughs> Thanks. See you. You're from Manchester. Yes, ma'am. I am. Thank you for listening to Future Spectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support Future Spectives with your review and subscribe on all the major podcast platforms. This series is created and produced by Brand Audio Media.